Hey, this is your host Shane with another exciting episode of Radical Rocks. Today we're going to talk about Vesuvionite. We're going to talk about Unikite, White Topaz, Yellow Kunzite, and so much more. On the first part of the journey, I was looking at Radical Rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand and hills and rings. First thing I found was a geocrystals, quartz with no clouds. Agate was hot and the ground was hard, but the gems were there to be found. See, I've been through the desert, found a rock of no name. Felt good to have in my hand. In the desert, you can find lots of rocks. Cause radical rocks are everywhere. That's right. Radical rocks are everywhere, and today we are going to talk about rocks, fossils, gold mining areas, and so much more. We'll talk about the largest land mammal, the largest carnivorous land mammal ever. We'll talk about uh, dinos feasting on mammals, hidden night, cat's eye jade, sunstones. We'll talk about finding them and selling them. We'll talk about uh, zircon, red zircon as well, yellow kunzite, um, xenotime, sapphire, tiger's eye. We will talk about unikite, vesuvianite, vesuvianite, and also white topaz, and even more. I want to thank you guys for liking and subscribing. Um, our subscriptions have gone up a little bit, so I appreciate you guys who've joined in. If you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, please pick your favorite app and give us a subscription. We would appreciate it. Also, we have over 50 videos on YouTube. Some are rock hounding trips, some are uh, lapidary and um, different uh, lapidary technologies, or uh, not technologies, techniques, cutting silversmithing, um, things like that. So check it out. We appreciate your support. You can join us on social media. We're on uh, MeWe. Just look up Radical Rocks. We're on Facebook. Just uh, look up Radical Rocks. We have a group there that you can join. And then um, what else? Seems like there was something else. Oh, I have a Etsy. Just go to Radical Rocks USA. You can check out some items on Etsy. Or you can see Radical Rocks on eBay. I think I have a few few things there as well. So we appreciate all that. Let's get on with it because um, we have got a lot to talk about today. And I want to leave nothing out. Leave no stone unturned. No rock unrattled. So rhodochrosite from Colorado. Beautiful specimens. Um, wolfenite from the Morita mine. This is uh, when it when it's combined with uh, mematite. It is a beautiful sample. Uh, flora patite from Zimbabwe is a beautiful blue mineral that uh, forms in long, um, kind of emerald-looking type crystals. Rhyolite on hematite, uh, hematite from Brazil has a, kind of a golden greenish stringy strands that uh, spear through the hematite, which is kind of a gray-black color. Um, other minerals, uh, elveite on calcite. This is a black mineral on white calcite from Russia. Beautiful mineral. Copper from Bad Ems in Germany. Beautiful specimens can be found there. Uh, Topazolite from Germany is a green crystalline type formation, quite beautiful. Uh, Hornblen from uh, a volcanic complex of Lacher Sea area. I'm not exactly sure where they're at it, where that is, but it's a green, um, chunky uh, material, kind of looks crumbly. And then the Getulite in Orpinment Getchel Mine is a beautiful mineral with reds and oranges. It looks kind of like a jasper, like a shiny jasper, and also green. 
um, and other beautiful gemstones. If you want to like to see some different kind of gemstones in your mailbox, uh, or mineral specimens, I mean, in your mailbox, you can go to Christensen's Mineral Collection, C-H-R-I-S-T-E-N-S-E-N. And again, um, they're not a sponsor of the show, but uh, always appreciate their um, emails. They are trying to sell these things, but it just helps you to get more familiar with minerals and specimens and uh, where they come from around the world. So if you want to check that out, you can. I find that quite interesting. Next, an Israeli jeweler called Yavel creates NFT tokens bearing precious stones. So first off, what what does that mean? Okay, at the I, the number two, four, I24news.tv, you can see this article from Fjör Stitrick, and he tells us about this. And what it is, is it is an actual token. It's 24 karat gold, and it has gemstones that are embedded in it. Uh, this one that I'm looking at has a diamond, a ruby, a emerald, and a sapphire. These are selling for $10,000 a piece. There is a limited number of them. It says, uh, Fruits of Fortune is what it says. It is a physical part of an NFT. What is an NFT? It's a non-fungible token. So basically, it's not uh, meant to be money or a means of, uh, of trade to buy and sell things. It is a token. So on the internet and the blockchain, you've probably heard about Bitcoin and things like that. Um, they have these tokens. Well, if you are to purchase one of these digital tokens, you will get an actual physical gold token of 24 karat gold with these gemstones embedded in them. Um, like I said, encrusted with diamonds, emeralds, rubies, and sapphires, uh, near 24 karat gold coin, and uh, pretty cool, and uh, certainly something I can't afford. It says they've published... 2,500 copies of the coin, which sold for $10,000 a piece. So you could turn it into a necklace, um, or you could do something else. Um, they said the NFTs are to prevent and fight counterfeiting of uh, these tokens to prove their legitimacy and value. So there's something a little bit different. A gigantic horse weighed some 3,000 pounds and towers over draft horses. This horse, uh, ancient gigantic horse, over seven and a half feet tall. What is that? About uh, over three meters, a little over three meters. Very large horse, at least uh, half a foot or about a foot taller than draft horses, which Draft horses can stand six foot tall, so those are pretty big horses. Um, these ancient horses have been uh, discussed at AZ Animals. It's a-z-animals.com. And Emilio Brown tells us about these giant horses that have uh, been found. There's about 200 horse breeds that uh, are around the world today. The Shire is the largest breed, but uh, this one that uh, is an ancient horse that uh, could have been uh, around, they say, over 6,000 years ago. I don't know. Hmm. Seven and a half feet tall, up to 3,300 feet. Uh, could have been millions of years ago. Um, Equus giganticus has been the horse discovered as the giant horse. Went extinct about 12,000 years ago, so they say, and uh, discovered in North America as early as 1826. And most discoveries are mainly teeth and vertebrae remains, but they've also found a skull. So pretty cool. And uh, you can read all about this if you want to see more of it. The Clydesdale horse, for comparison, they measure it in hands. Um, 
Clydesdale's the hugest, uh, biggest horse, really, pretty much. It's a draft horse. And they are 17 to 19 hands where this, uh, this Shire horse would have been well over um, 22 hands, would have been about 22 hands, much larger, weighing up over 3,000 pounds potentially. And a Clydesdale typically weighs about 1,800 pounds, but some have gone up just over 2,000 pounds. A Mustang, on the other hand, about half the height, 13 hands to 16 hands, weighing 800 pounds to 1,000 pounds. So that gives you some idea of how humongous this horse, these ancient horses were. Now we're going to talk about Zircon a couple times tonight. Um, Red Zircon, we may have talked about this a few weeks ago. GIA um, tells us about Red Zircon. It is a colorful gem with a high refraction and fire that is unfairly uh, confused with cubic zirconium. It, it really is much prettier than, than a cubic zirconium. You can find this at gia.edu. Just look up zircon and you will get a whole uh, plethora of information on zircon. They have a gallery that you can look on. They talk about all the different colors. Zircon comes in an array of colors. Um, blue is probably one of the most favorite, but the redder the red, very, very valuable. It is, its properties are close enough to the properties of diamonds to account for centuries of confusion between the two gems. Um, today, of course, professionals can tell, but everywhere from white to yellow to green to red to brownish to blue hues, makes it a favorite, uh, one of the favorites among many collectors. And if you're a December baby, um, turquoise is your gemstone, but uh, also tanzanite is very expensive, and it's usually kind of a purple instead of a blue. So blue zircon is a great alternative that is usually fairly reasonable in price. All right, now... There are processes that they use, of course, to uh, heat and, and treat the colors. There's uh, synthetic counterparts, of course, so make sure you know if it's uh, laboratory-grown or if it's natural. There is 4.4 billion zircons um, in existence. A zircon is found in Australia and uh, the oldest mineral on Earth, they say. Oh, 4.4 billion years, not 4.4 billion zircons. So, okay, so that's that's debatable. Uh, it has uh, zircon sometimes has traces of uranium, and it can uh, irradiating itself and change its properties over a vast amount of time. Colorless zircon is called Matera zircon after a city in Sri Lanka where it is mined. Um, the refractive index is here. The specific gravity is here. The Mohs hardness is 6 to a uh, 7.5 on the, on the high end. So all kinds of great information here on it. Um, they have different colors from oranges to white here. The clarity, color, a cut, and carat weight are all the big factors in determining its value. They have a research area here where you can read more, er, uh, more articles on the reversible color modification of blue zircon by long wave ultraviolet radiation. Um, they have uh, the dense cluster zircon inclusions in Ethiopian sapphire and uh, other articles here on zircon if you want to find out about how they do it. They have recommended reading list. Um, and more. So check that out. That's a great one. I get, uh, I go on there quite often and check it out. In fact, the GIA also talks about an unusual cat's eye on jade. This, uh, again, is at gia.edu. You can look that up. Looks like it's credited by um, Zio. LV and Bowen Zahayu and Zio Ying Lu. So there's three different people here who are involved in this article. There's a beautiful picture of this cat's eye um, 
jade. It is beautiful green color. The cat's eye is not super thin and defined, but it is certainly there, and it is mesmerizing. Um, it's set in a round rose, in a round ring rather, and is uh, surrounded with rose-cut diamonds. And it has recently been submitted to the National Center of Quality Inspection uh, and Testing for examination. It's uh, 7.4 by 7 millimeters in diameter, vivid green body color, pronounced cationcy or cat's eye with vibrant green sheen. And it is beautiful. It's natural uh, jade and has been cut just perfect to highlight this cat's eye. I would imagine this stone, um, this is where jade becomes uh, outrageous in price, probably more than even a diamond per carat. This type of a jade is extremely rare and extremely valuable. We've talked about jade and how jade can go for um, thousands of dollars per carat when it's of extremely high quality jadeite. I would say this would probably qualify in that uh, same thing. They've taken some pictures from the back where it's lighted and they show the fibrous texture throughout this uh, beautiful gemstone. A vague honeycomb-like pattern was observed in two specific sides near the griddle uh, at the 12 and 6 o'clock positions. They have pictures of this in the diagram with a reflected light on the stone that shows its cation uh, sheen or cat's eye parallel to the ring uh, band. So yeah, there's a lot of detail on this if you want to check it out. They say this particular stone um, was probably from Guatemala and um, very beautiful, 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 beautiful. Next, let's see here. I don't want to do that one yet. All right, there may be more gemstones in Hiddenite, North Carolina than there are residents. According to the North Carolina 100.com, we are told here that an emerald crystal weighing 1,869 carats, thought to be the largest ever found in North America, was unearthed in late 2003 at a mine in Hiddenite. So this mine here, there is a lot of emeralds. Um, in 1879, Thomas Edison talked geologist William Earl Hidden to find platinum in North Carolina to help extend the life of his light bulb. Instead, Hidden discovered what would become his namesake, Hiddenite. Today, this town is home of the fourth rarest gemstone around the globe, the emerald green stone, a spondymene mineral colored with chromium, is the only precious gem that can't be man-made, according to this article. Now, Emerald Hollow Mind, keep that name in mind, in Hiddenite, North Carolina is the only emerald mine that welcomes the public to try their hand at prospecting gemstones. It also includes valuable smoky and clear quartz, distinct aquamarines, sapphires, and garnets. And uh, Eve Lederman is accredited with this uh, this article here. So that would be one on my bucket list right there. To go mine emeralds at the Emerald Hollow Mine would be completely awesome. I would love it. Rare evidence that dinosaurs feasted on mammals is uncovered. At CNN.com, Katie Hunt tells us about this little carnivore carnivorous dinosaur and they have a picture of the fossil here it's a close-up of a tiny mammal foot um, which is uh, among the ribs of this uh, micro rapture fossil this micro raptures is uh, looks like a bird in some of the pictures that I've seen um, but this creature was devouring these mammals or rodents is whatever you want to say but that's not found very often. This is very, very rare that you find a uh, food in an ancient dinosaur's stomach. So um, only a few occasions where you find this throughout history. And if you want to hear more about this, you can uh, 
look up that article and find out. I thought it was pretty cool. Finding Oregon's official gym, the Sunstone, for free or low cost can be done, but it's not easy, according to Janet Eastman and the Oregana Oregon Live. You go to uh, hereisoregon.com and you can look that up. These sunstones that they have in the picture are um, root beer to orange colored clear glass with very, I mean, from what I can see here, very little inclusions, but they can have copper inclusions and inclusions. And um, they tell us in this article, we did talk about sunstone a little bit last uh, week, but this time it tells us a couple other great things like finding them and selling them. Now we know that this is the state's official gemstone. Um, it is a gold rush that continues in Oregon's high desert Serious rock hounds, weekend prospectors, and people selling these sunstones and digging and, and having claims are, um, it's happening. It's still happening. Um, feldspar crystals are found in the soil in the prehistoric lava flows in Lake and Harney counties. Copper, which is part of Oregon sunstone, unique geological stew creates a wide range of colors that other gems can't compete. Um, plush is, uh, they have a pit there. This is a remote speck of the Oregon outback and a dig, uh, there with your hands may find a nugget or two at low cost, no to low cost, depending on where you go. So if you go to the dig operations, you can go to one, the death, the dust devil mining. That's a U dig area in Lake County, Oregon. It's across from Road 6, 115. And then there is also the Sunstone Gym Collection area. This is one of the Bureau of Land Management's free spots where you can actually find your own. So if you go to hereisoregon.com and look up this article on finding Oregon's official gym, the Sunstone, for low cost can be done, but it's not easy. This article is going to come up and you got the links. It'll take you to Lake County. It'll take you to the Sunstone Collecting Area. It'll take you to the Dust Devil Mining. It'll take you to the Oregon Department of Geology and Mineralogical Industries where they talk about Sunstone and how the color uh, is dependent on the copper, whether it be yellow, soft pink, blood red, or deep blue or green. Color, clarity, uh, all these things, composition, all depend on its value. The Northern Paiute and Modoc tribes were the first ones to trade sunstones in the early 1900s, and Tiffany and, Co and Company in New York marketed them as plush diamonds. Oregon sunstones may seem transparent and can reveal flashes of pink, red, metallic, or shimmer, or Shimer when viewed from different directions. Um, what else? What else? What else? I want to tell you more. Sapphires, garnets, and tourmalines can be different colors, but they are in different places. With the Oregon Sunstone, you have more variety from one mineral from one mining location than any other gem in the world. Eh, maybe. I think tourmalines really offer a lot of variety too. So, but uh, that's what this article says. Oregon sunstones are ideal custom uh, stones for jewelers, says Stephen Douglas, but difficult for a major retailer. So that's good. Something that you can kind of have a niche if you are uh, a lapidarius or a uh, gemstone, uh, you know, a gem, a, uh, a gem, you, you know, a jewelry making person. Digging for sunstones. Okay, plush is a 200 mile drive to southeast bend. And um, one story here of a family that went hunting at the Dust Devil Mine. They saw rattlesnakes. Uh, it was bumpy roads. They didn't see a lot of people. They had a hard time getting there, but they finally made it. And um, they had a wonderful experience. They did find uh, a little gemstone there. They stopped at the Heart Mountain National Antelope Refugee, uh, Refuge, rather. 
where uh, they saw some beautiful desert and they dug a long time with their hands um, and they were able to spot a 52 carat strawberry colored gem. So it sounds like they hit a jackpot there. Pay to dig operations um, says wholesale value based on the weight and clarity about $125 in 2015 when they did it. They took it to a gym cutter and had it shaped and polished. Or if you want to make a capuchon, you could do that yourself. Um, and then, um, what else? They said it was a great adventure. And the owners of Green Springs Gym continue to mine, cut, and polish, and set gemstones. And then they sell it at a little local market. And uh, selling the gemstones, well... You know, you can increase the value by setting them in jewelry. If you sell them just rough, you're not going to get as much. They said here that uh, they are selling theirs at the Douglas Fine Jewelry Design in Bend, Bend, uh, Oregon. And um, they're making jewelry. You can see some of the pieces here. They've been doing it since 10, 2014. Um, setting it in in uh, 14 karat white and yellow gold it looks good in either one um, they've done round faceted uh, all different shapes cabochon cuts all these different cuts to uh, to do that now one time in 2014 they went out and did trips and then in two in 1960 they would go a few times each month and on this day he found rough stones valued at ten thousand dollars his most precious find was a 90 carat oregon sun sunstone the color of a black cherry wow pretty he unearthed it on his wedding anniversary and his wife smiles every time she wears it on a necklace they also talk about buying a mining company here um, this is kind of uh, for sale, I guess. The Dust uh, Devil Mining is for sale for $1.6 million. I don't know if it's still for sale. If you're interested in looking at it, this is a newer article. Uh, it's about 106 acres outside of Plush, population 95. So pretty cool. All sorts of different colored gemstones are there. You can check out this article if you want. Uh, if you want to call... The owner, Janice Eastman, 503-294-4072 if you want to buy this. But I would recommend looking up the article here and getting more information. Ancient Mongolian predator was as large as a horse and weighed a ton. So this predator was the largest mammal predator ever known to walk the earth. Emilio Brown tells us at a-z-animals.com all about this huge creature. Um, it looks kind of like a pig with uh, the mouth of a, of a wolf, of a giant wolf. Um, this creature, again, as tall as a horse, uh, super long. Um, I think, let's see here. It does have, uh, it does look like it's omnivorous to me, though. When they show the teeth, there are some kind of molars in the back. Uh, the front teeth are quite sharp. It looks like it could have been a um, a scavenger. They say that this uh, Androosarcha, the only known fossil, the skull, about 2.8 feet long or 86 centimeters long and almost 2 feet wide or 56 centimeters wide. The mouth was filled with large sharp teeth and flatter cheek teeth. And they say that it could have been uh, related to rhinos or hippos, but I think those are both uh, vegetarians or omnivorous. This, uh, uh, I think they're vegetarian. They say this is the only carnivorous animal able to rival uh, this creature in size has been the American short-faced bear which stood over 11 feet and 2,500 pounds. But I've heard of bears bigger than that, ancient bears. So, um, yeah, to me, it looks like it could have been omnivorous because the teeth on the back are like molars, but whatever. 
So Mongolia, China is the only place this species has ever been found. And uh, they have some depictions of what they thought it might have looked like. And, uh, of course, they've never found anything but the skull. So it's total speculation and imagination. 15-ton meteorite crashed in Africa. Now two new minerals have been found. We've talked about this a bunch. But um, this topic has come up over and over and over again because it is so exciting to the scientific community to those who love minerals and rocks, especially ones from another world. CNN.com, Christine Rogers tells us again about this. Um, not going to do much on it, but one of the minerals is called elalite, and that is from the word el-ali, which means uh, it was found near the town of el-ali in central Somalia. So these new minerals, I believe, are iron-based uh, minerals. And uh, we've already talked about those before, but it's just been in the news. It's been pounded in the news. So I thought I would bring it up again because it's pretty exciting if you want to find out more about it. Um, there you go. Idaho cobalt mine could help transition U.S. to green energy, but at what cost? Um, we have kind of talked about this before as well. But it seems to be a hot topic. Uh, EastIdahoNews.com. Max Stevenson, Kevin Fletcher tells us in the Idaho Statesman all about this mine. It was a mine. It did get a super fun because it was leaching uh, acids and stuff into the ground. But an Australian company has come in. They brought in about 150 of their own employees. They're going to, this is the biggest um, cobalt deposit in the United States and the third biggest potentially in the world. Um, cobalt traditionally has been uh, not the main mineral that's been mined. It's usually another mine. But uh, they have put in $100 million to uh, get this thing going, even though the cleanup for this thing and the bonds, as I recall, were going to be well over that. Um, there's a lot of people saying that uh, this is uh, environmentally not a good idea and that uh, the, not enough is being required. The bonds are too small, so forth and so on. And um, as much as I am, am uh, pro-mining, I tend to um, feel like there are some, some potential risks here and that this is not, not the greatest idea. So... Uh, Hopefully uh, it's looked into well before moving ahead just to promote an agenda of cobalt. So we'll see how that goes. Next, seven foot long uh, atheropod. Basically this is a, a relative to some sort of squids. It looks like a giant worm, like a giant tapeworm. Yeah, this is found in Mongolia. They say this thing is about seven feet long, two meters long, gigantic in comparison to shrimps, insects, spiders, which were descendants of these early invertebrates, according to a new study. Um, you can read all about this at uh, LiveScience.com. Jennifer Nalwicka tells us all about this uh, seven foot long ruler of the water, which is now uh, which was found in Morocco and is unknown to exist at this time, day, and age. So we've got all kinds of rocks to talk about. I'm not going to skip over all the cool rocks that I talked about in the beginning. I think I'll save the gold mines for last, and we'll go through the rocks first. At our friends at rockingym.com, that's rock, the letter N, gym.com, they tell us, in an ongoing article on Meet the Gemstones by Letter, um, they go today is S to Z, and um, most likely these are all mined from older articles that were written. They give credit to uh, Amy Gersack, and um, I recommend everybody get a subscription to Rock and Jim. They're not sponsors of the show, but man, if you're a rock hound or a lapidarius, you need this. So sapphires are the first ones that's mentioned. This is the official state gemstone of Montana, uh, which is called the Treasure State. Sapphires are uh, 
just like rubies. They're both uh, corundum. They're an aluminum oxide, typically found in a crystalline form. And uh, the difference of the color is chromium, and corundum is red. It's ruby. Otherwise, it's going to be a sapphire. There are some lighter sapphires, but the darker, deep blue ones are more valuable. There's pink, green, violet, orange, purple, and even brown sapphires. Um, and when they're not blue, they're referred to as fancy sapphires. Sometimes heating takes place to uh, intensify the color, different techniques. They're very hard. Um, I don't know if they have the Mohs scale here. They don't. Next, Tiger's Eye. Tiger's Eye, beautiful gem, has a kind of a cat's eye look to it because it has uh, asbestos fibers running through it. And you would not ever want to grind this dry. Uh, keep it wet, wet all the time. Make sure you clean up everything. Be very safe. It comes in gold, yellow, blue, uh, grays, a lot of different colors. It can have hematite in it, which really makes it look beautiful. And again, looks very much like a cat's eye. And the term for the name actually comes from um, the word cat's eye. Uh, blue asbestos fibers with cabochon cut gemstones running parallel to each other allows light to reflect in a way that gives it the tiger eye signature look. Originally, scientists thought this phenomenon occurs um, when the stone is changed by iron oxide and replaced with silica, but uh, now they believe it's actually these conchoidal inclusions within the columns of quartz within the stones that make the distinctive paralleling nature. So here you have stones. Scientists can't even figure out why it gives the cat's eyes. They've changed it from older times to recent times. Uh, you can tumble this stone. They have a lot of these stones tumbled. And um, they said in 1870, a single carat of cat's eye was worth more than an ounce of gold. Boy, if that were true today, but it's not. Unikite, a beautiful uh, green with a kind of a pinkish orange, speckles all over it. Um, it is a composite of metamorphic rocks, including uh, epidite, milky quartz, and ophiclaws, formed during hydrothermal uh, times when the epidite replaces the silicon minerals, silicate minerals, um, and within the granite, this is what helps form the unikite, while the pink is a feldspar and quartz create the colorful speckling. It's found around the Unicus Mountains in western North Carolina, eastern Tennessee also, and uh, the beaches of Lake Superior. Sometimes pieces can be found. It has a Mohs rating of six or seven, so it's pretty pretty strong. It tumbles well. Good for cutting jewelry. Uh, very pretty. It also uh, is used as trim along the front steps of the south entrance to the Smithsonian National Museum of National History. And uh, the crummy uh, grades sometimes are crushed and used in highway construction. So this one here, next one, uh, the Suvia Knight. Vesuvianite, V-E-S-U-V-I-A-N-I-T-E, -E. um, sometimes called Indocras, is originally found by a mountain after its name in Italy, which was buried by the nearby inhabitants of the city, uh, probably volcanic, and by the god of fire. In the world of gem cutting, Vesuvianite, often refers to the rough-cut stone, while faceted gems are called uh, iodocras. Regardless of the name, this calcium-aluminum-silica material forms a uh, tetragonal structure, and uh, the most popular colors are from yellowish-green to brown or olive-green. And there is a blue version called cyprine, cyprinine that derives its color from trace amounts of copper. It has a Mohs value of six. Um, they say it isn't very hard and it's not used uh, for anything but usually larger jewelry and sculptures. And uh, sometimes it is mistaken for peridot, although this mineral here is far rarer. White topaz, which topaz can be any color, um, but it has the appearance of a diamond. I would think sapphires would look more like diamonds because they just sparkle so much. But outside of cost, um, 
They are very close in clarity and color. Brilliance is where diamonds shine. Hardness is another determining factor. Diamonds are 10, of course, and topaz are 8. So they are not as durable as a diamond. Topaz is created when water and magma react during a metamorphic process, creating pegmatite, which features natural topaz that is typically initially clear. While a wide variety of colors, because of impurities such as chromium, replacing aluminum within the stone, white topaz is a gem in its purest form. So that is kind of cool. Now this next one is Zeonatime. It's X-E-N-O-T-I-M-E. So hopefully I got the pronunciation right. Uh, it is cut from a rare earth mineral, often found in yellowish, orange, brown hues. Um, very hard to find facet grade stones. Um, like topaz, it is found in pigmatite formations as well as igneous rock. Um, and also uranium and thorium are often found within the stone, creating national, uh, natural radioactivity and... Uh, is used as an allied in the production of camera lenses and lasers. The name is derived from Greek terms for vain and honor, an early scientist snarky rebuke of another. Initially, Swedish chemists uh, discovered, he thought he discovered a new element within the zeonotime, but it turned out uh, to be an already known mineral called eutridium, which prompted mineralogist Franskos soul pice to throw down a bit of shade on the claim. Yellow kunzite. True gemologists shudder at inclusions of yellow kunzite, but it's an example of marketing uh, being misguided. Kunzite is usually pink or light purple, sometimes blue. It is a type of spondamine. It is also found in pegmatite uh, Formations, lithium-rich mineral is typically indication of more purple or blue, and gives uh, manganese also gives kunzite attractive colors. When the gem is just yellow, it's called yellow spondamine, and um, it is misleading as kunzite implies a specific hue. With a Mohs value of six and a half to seven, it's not the toughest gemstone also it does tend to fracture down down a line but uh, if you find a specimen of 20 carats or more this can be quite nice spondamine is a important source of lithium which is used in the new green deal it's found in afghanistan pakistan california north carolina and south carolina zircon we talked about red zircon um, very popular gemstone as far back as we know, always uh, often mistaken as uh, diamonds back in those days. Because of its uranium content, scientists in Australia have dated it back to 4.4 million years. Um, they are not radioactive. You know, even granite can have uh, radioactivity in it. And they try to age it from that, but uh, they, really, they really don't know. Um, Zircons are found in colors ranging from clear to yellow to green to purple to brown to grays, typically caused because of radiation or impurities. Very popular since Victorian times and colors are, uh, are heightened or uh, improved by heating treatments. So check that out. There's all kinds of good articles there if you want more. If you still hung with me, I will give you a few stories about some gold mines if that is something you're interested in. if not please like subscribe to our podcast and other stuff like we asked in the beginning we really appreciate it let's talk about the forgotten mines uh in utah near the deep creek range our friends uh at gold rush expeditions you can uh, look them up at uh, goldexpedition.com they sell gold mines, but they also send out a wonderful magazine from time to time. And you can subscribe to that. And so far, it's been free. And it's very nice, high-quality pictures um, throughout most. But uh, they talk about the Deep Creek mountain range uh, that is across the barren emptiness of the Great Basin and uh, how big it is. They talk about 
some of the heights that reach 12,000 feet. Um, this Deep Creek Gorge goes down quite a bit. There's uh, the Red Mountain Slopes and other geographical areas. They concentrate on some of these areas that Gold Rush Expedition surveyors have looked through the formations of quartzite cliffs looking for mineralization. Um, originally, Spanish miners uh, did mine in the area as well as probably early inhabitants and indigenous people because uh, there is uh, many things to be found there in Deep Creek. There's history, they give the history of the Indians and the Spanish miners. They talk about some treasures of the Deep Creek um, Range and treasure hunter Mel Fisher, some of the, his discoveries that he found in 1995. He staked a lot of claims there. He found a ship wreckage uh, off the coast of Florida and um, has quite, quite a huge uh, display of treasure that he's found there. He also tells his stories here. They talk about the Deep Creek Railroad in the area. They've got some pictures of beautiful engines that went through that area. They tell you history about that. They tell you about the giants of Deep Creek, which are these giant rock-faced jagged cliffs and deep canyons. This ravine uh, was very, very deep. The dumps give the locations of all the forgotten mines and audits and they said this area is not for the faint of heart. Some of the steepest inclines in the Western Hemisphere rising over one mile from the desert floor and dropping back to the desert floor in just a few miles. So that is, uh, yeah, you fall, you're gonna die. The Ghost Chute Mine, a winding rocky trail leads up to an unnamed canyon on the Deep Creek Range. It stretches and switches uh, back and forth quite a bit and um, you would make it to the first ascent of the old Goshute Mine. It was lost, uh, or excuse me, last owned in 1983 by Mr. Kibbe, who was the vice president of the largest bank in Utah. The Goshute Mine is an eerie spot made up of a series of an old buildings, very much overgrown. Three mines on the property comprise of hard rock cuts, um, Unknown creators were searching for whatever they were correct, searching for, cutting in the rocks. Silver may have been the target. Um, some surface outcrops contain significant silver ores, but unfortunately they vanish underground. So I guess it must just be a sulfite bubble. Um, but they could be picked up again deeper on. Idaho Public, uh, let's see, there's an old vehicle they've got a picture of here. They talk about surveys in the area from 1946 to 1961s. And um, next, what else? The Bueno Mine. Small valley at the top of the old riverbed in the Green Valley with ample water is an ideal place for a settlement. Here you will find the camp for the Bueno Mine. Spanish miners also located or relocated this mine about 1912. They had small shafts, no more than 150 feet apart, a series of these. And they had what was known as the Bueno Mine. It was a gold mine. No records of recovery or production exist, but the Spanish miners had no interest in letting anyone know what they were pulling from the mountain. There's also two panels of large petroglyphics that indicate great treasure near Bueno Mine. Um, the surveyors had no luck at locating these um, panels. Regardless, of Bueno is a large camp built at significant expense. They've got a picture of some of the old cabins that are still there, which is really cool. Um, little log cabins, looks like metal roofs have been put on them. The Devil's Pit, steep set of switchbacks, runs up the mountains from the Bueno mine. The climb is almost 1,800 feet and uh, gains that much elevation in less than two-thirds of a mile. The roads are narrow and made of loose shale, but if you make it to the top, you have reached Devil's Pit Mine. Um, thought of as being part of the Oro del Rey, the Devil's Pit was cut by the Spanish in 1912 and operated until 1980. There's some float, there's a porthole into the mountain, 
and cuts on the ridge that pops out the other side. This was the easiest way to get the mine workings on the other side of the ridge. Inside the mine, there's still a rail, old machinery from 1980s operation, a 1984 lifelong miner who became a trusted source for Gold Rush Expedition named Ed Gosling visited the Devil's Pit Mine as, as operations were wrapping up. He said uh, he ran into a few miners cleaning up the site. They explained the history to him. The mine was closing, but the miners were kind enough to give Gosling a tour of the site. Pictures are nothing short of priceless. They're the only glimpse we have of operations conducted at the Oro del Rey, Gosling recalled. Um, they've got um, diesel-driven machines driving underground in these tunnels. There was only three men at the operation when it came up. They said they were working on closing down the site so that they could get their bonds back. The price of gold had shot up to $800 an ounce, <coughs> but was back down to $390, and with all the restrictions, they called it quits. Um, they even let us took a few chunks of the vein with visible gold stringers. It was a somber act to do this. It was like admitting they'd been defeated, not by the mountain, not by the gold, but by the bureaucracy that ripped at their every move. So I would think free gold, I mean, wow, you know, as long as you don't dump your tailings in the river, um, yeah, that would be that would be great, a great place, you would think, right? There's still a modern bunkhouse with the generator there, but somebody pushed this thing off the side of the mountain. <laughs> wow, it is kind of on the edge. The Oro Ray was mined. They pushed the ore out to the ridge of the mountain. According to the miners, cars did not always make the turn of the mountain. If they tipped, they would tumble 2,200 feet down the canyon and crash. Therefore, the valley became known as Devil's Pit because it swallowed up many ore cars, which is how the nearby mine came to be known as the Devil's Pit Mine. Wow, pretty cool, pretty cool. There's several other mines that are talked about here. But uh, I think we are doing pretty good, and we will call it a night tonight. Uh, if you stayed with us to the end, thank you very much. We appreciate it. And until next time, remember, rock hounds don't die, they petrify. <laughs>